The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator, and this week we have a story from the San Francisco Bay Area's king of polyamory, William Winters. How's your week going? I am riding the high of an immensely successful Seattle show. Our body storytelling there was everything I dreamed of, not just because the show was sold out, but because I got to go on a trip with members of my team. We hopped in a van. My team member, Crystal, who is my roadie, and Ty, who is my tech person, we did a very long trip up the West Coast together, enjoying each other's company. We never got tired of each other. Stopped in Portland, stayed with our friend Reed, had a meetup with the Portland community in a bar, got to meet people there, continued on, got to Seattle, walked into the place that we were all going to be staying, We had a surprise there when we walked in and as I walked in to show them where I always stay in Seattle at a friend's extra apartment, Crystal and Ty both stopped and went, oh no. I turned around to see what the problem was and they said, this place has black mold. Well, I hadn't been there since before lockdown. And honestly, I've never been exposed to black mold, and I sniffed the air, kind of waiting to see if it was going to be like sarin gas. Was was it going to fall down dead? Does it take a few seconds? How does this work? Both of them have been previously exposed. They have sensitivities to it, and they just stood there, put on their N95 masks, and went, oh, yeah, no, yeah, we can't go in there. We put fans in the windows, we aired everything out, did our very best while they kept masks on, and we found other places for them to stay. That was a surprise. We weren't expecting that. But we found other accommodations, and honestly, Seattle is so great about put people up with us. We're happy to take all of you, which is something I'm not really used to. In San Francisco, nobody has a guest room. We found a home for everyone, and I stayed in the apartment because I don't have a sensitivity to black mold, and I really like staying there. It was lonely after all the time around people. I mean, I lived by myself. Since Quake died, it has been very lonely. So it was really nice having people around all the time. But then came night of show. And as we prepared to put the show together, there were so many people who were part of the team making it come together. 
our friend Tanya had been our person on the ground who organized everything in Seattle. We had members who were going to be our timekeeper, who helped with load in, who helped with setup and breakdown. And these were people that I hadn't seen in a very long time. It was so great getting to hug everybody, getting to have a little private time with them. And then the crowds arrived. So many hundreds of people. It was so good seeing all those faces again. The show was phenomenal. Three of the people were brand new. Two of them had never been on stage before. One of them had done it once, but had performed in a comedy club in front of a bunch of Republicans who hated her story about sex. So this was a completely different experience for her. And Sorenberg always does a great job. I had to hunt him down to get him back on stage. So I felt like every story was really strong in this show. And Shirley Nome was back. She had just gotten a visa, and this was her first trip back to perform music at Body, her first trip back to the U.S. since lockdown. It was a great evening from beginning to end. And even at the break, it was just selfies with people. It was just perfect all the way through. At the end, people stuck around to clean up, to talk, to connect, and it took me forever to go to sleep afterwards. You get show juice, you just want to turn it all over in your head. You just don't want to let it go. Your brain won't let go of that perfect evening. The next day, friends took me out on a hot tub boat on Lake Union in Seattle, sitting in hot water, in ice cold water. And we just relaxed for a few hours watching strange sights go by. It was not what I expected at all. Really strange people out on the water. And it was perfect. And it was a great day with friends. Crystal and Ty picked me up. They were ready to go. This entire trip was just people taking care of me, telling me not to do anything, fighting over the opportunity to make sure my life was full of ease, that I was relaxed. I still had plenty to do. I did final coaching with storytellers day of show. I still had plenty to do because I'm an event producer, but it wasn't what it usually was. There were so many people there to pick things up and make sure that I had everything I needed to zip me into my dress. Just so many bodies just ready to help. And they said, this is what your life is supposed to look like. You're supposed to have help. You've been doing this a long time and we wanna make sure this is what you have all the time so that you hurry up and come back. We want you back in Seattle as soon as possible. Have you ever been honored like that? It felt incredible. And honestly, I can't wait to go back. I wanna bring body to new cities. I had so many people send me emails and say, why can't we have you in Chicago and Washington, D.C. and Kansas City and Florida? And if I had people on the ground who made sure that this was that kind of relaxed, that kind of easy, if I had a team, hell yeah. Let's make it happen. I want to make sure that this show is where it's wanted. 
I don't want to fight anymore. I want people to have this experience. It shouldn't just be in San Francisco. It shouldn't just be in a few cities. It should be where it's wanted. Contact me if you're in a city that wants body. I'd love to bring it to your city. And I want a lot more of what I had this past weekend in my life. I can tell you, I will work with you to make that happen. Guess who won Lubricant of the Year in Europe a couple of weeks ago? Uberlube. Uberlube ambassador Amy Baldwin of the Shameless Sex Podcast posted about it on social media and was there to receive the award with the rest of the Uberlube team. I really love this lube. It's a pure premium silicone lube that's uniquely designed to transfer sensation and reduce friction for pleasure. And it comes in a handy single hand use pump for the perfect amount every time. Lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether alone or with a partner. Ideally, lube enhances touch. And Uber Lube is great for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, or anal. And thousands of doctors recommend Uber Lube to their patients for its simple ingredient list. Uber Lube offers just the right amount of slip while still allowing for skin-on-skin sensation. Uber Lube offers long-lasting performance when you want it, then quickly dissipates without leaving a sticky residue. It cleans up easily, and there's no flavor or scent. And Uber Lube is offering body storytelling listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use the code D-I-X-I-E at uberlube.com. If you're going to add to your magic moments, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality, most body-safe ingredients. Remember, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code Dixie at uberlube.com. Congrats on your award, Uberlube. When it comes to lubrication, you are the best. Remember, Uberlube, it lets you feel what you want to feel. All sorts of people are microdosing these days to feel healthier and perform better. If you're not familiar, the concept of microdosing is commonly associated with psychedelics, wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. Our show this week is sponsored by microdose.com. And when I did some research on their products, I was pretty interested. I knew that microdosing is commonly used to help folks with pain, workout recovery, and anxiety. And all of that sounded really good. I knew I needed a creative boost. I mean, don't we all? I definitely have anxiety, and I bet you do too. But here's the thing. I really have trouble getting into the moment. I'm always either future tripping or worrying about something that happened way back when. It's really nice to bite into a gummy, relax, and just focus on the right now. And that's what they did for me. I really enjoyed the vacation from the constant worry that I have going on. So here's what you should know. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code Dixie to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com and use the code Dixie. Try them out. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Come celebrate Halloween with body storytelling. On Friday, October 28th, our theme is This Feels Dangerous. 
We'll be at the Verdi Club in San Francisco and it'll be live streamed. Wherever you are, you can join us in costume or not. You can wear your footy pajamas. You can watch naked from your bed. However you want to show up, we'd love to have you there. As I regroup and try and figure out what's next for body, we're going to be doing less live shows in San Francisco. I don't have a lot of them booked right now, so get it while you can. Get tickets now for body storytelling, either online or in person, and you'll find links in the show notes for those tickets. Well, Halloween's come a week early. While I was in Seattle last week, I was invited to a swinger sex party on a yacht. And as people wondered whether I would go to a swinger party, I thought back to the days when I was exploring, when I was going into different communities, trying to figure out who I was. And I went into every sort of community I could find. I went to the BDSM community, the swinger community, the polyamory community. I dipped my toe everywhere, and that's how I got to know so many different kinds of people. And it was all about exploring. Watching people react to the idea of me possibly going to a swinger party amused me. I mean, why do we have this reaction to people doing it differently than we do? It's their life. I mean, it may not be our taste, but why can't we do it our way? We're all entitled to take sex positivity in the direction we want. You do you. And that's pretty much the way I've always felt about it. So while I was thinking about that, I was looking for a story for this week, and I came across this one from way back in early 2017. And I thought it kind of spoke to that, about how people do everything differently. And also, (laughs) and I talked about boundaries and exploring. I'd love to hear your reaction to this story. And I'm going to introduce you to the storyteller, an activist, educator, and intimacy coach, William Winters is the founder and co-organizer of the Bonobo Network, an Oakland-based organization that builds community, connection, and capacity in the sex-positive and non-monogamous worlds. Back in 2014, the San Francisco Chronicle named William Winters the de facto king of the East Bay polyamory scene. He's been working to earn the title ever since. William has long been an advocate for polyamory in the media, appearing in San Francisco Magazine, KQED's Forum, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the New York Times. He has facilitated conversations about polyamory and sex-positive culture in settings including university campuses, political conferences, living rooms, Burning Man, and beyond. A campaign strategist by profession, a culture nerd by avocation, and a philosopher by major, William lives with his wife and their stupid cat, in Oakland, California. This storyteller is William Winters. This story is all about my boundaries. Um, <laughs> sort of. Uh, <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I mean, but the reason that Dixie invited me to tell a story here is because, um, yeah, some stupid reporter once called me the de facto king of the East Bay polyamory scene, and uh, I also throw enormous sex parties. And, um, you know, but, you know, they're not just any sex party, right? Uh, They uh, are, like, really community-based, and, you know, uh, we all, like, know each other, and we like to be friends. Uh, It's not particularly anonymous. Um, (laughs) We have opening circles where we talk about, like, you know, how sex parties are best when they're treated as high-possibility, low-expectation spaces. Feel, feel free to quote me on that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm basically your standard East Bay poly snowflake uh, is basically uh, it. Um, but this story isn't about that. The story um, is about uh, one of my interactions with Jamie, who um, I met in my other life as um, a political organizer. I met her at one of the biggest conferences for progressive politicos and journalists and activists in the country uh, where I'd organized a panel called Liberate Your Ass, Why Sexual Freedom is Key to Fighting the Right. (laughs) It was a a fun talk. and so we, we met after the panel, and it was um, lust at first sight. Um, and it wasn't just, like, physical lust. I mean, Jamie was, you know, beautiful. She's a little bit older than I am. Uh, incredibly fit and vivacious with these bright blue eyes, like blue-green eyes, and really curly hair um, and a megawatt smile. Um, it's certainly that, but I mean, we also had these immediate brain boners for each other. Um, I'm sure you all, you're all dorks. You understand this, right? Yeah. Um, um, and you know, like the sexual tension was just palpable. Like I wanted nothing more than to like, you know, do horrible things to her or wonderful things to her, depending on your point of view. Um, uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure she wanted to do them back to me. But, um, you know, I was, um, you know, becoming the de facto king of the East Bay polyamory scene. Uh, and she uh, was not quite there yet. She, <laughs> she, she, she was, uh, she, she, she had poly aspirations, but, uh, you know, her, her relationship agreements had not yet caught up with her attitude, which is um, a good reason to date your species, as my friend Reed likes to say. Uh, um, so, you know, we kept in touch. Um, remember the brain boners, um, you know, we, we kept in touch and developed a wonderful friendship and, um, you know, eventually uh, her relationship agreements did actually change. Um, and she came to the Bay Area reasonably frequently. And so uh, one night I was out celebrating a friend's birthday at a bar in the hate when I got a text message from Jamie 
hey, William, I'm in town. And I was like, check, please. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I need to, I need to go. Um, <laughs> where? Oh, just home. I have an early work day tomorrow. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I immediately drove over to the place Jamie was staying. Um, and, uh, you know, on the car right there, we talked logistics um, because she was staying on her friend's sofa in a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. Um, and so that obviously wasn't a good place to do horrible things to each other, right? Um, um, and so, you know, I'm a pretty resourceful guy, and so I start, like, thinking, I go through, like, the mental Rolodex. Okay, it's, like, 1.30 a.m. Do I have any friends good enough to call right now? No. Um, I mean, probably, but no, nah, you know. Um, <laughs> and um, I was like, okay, and shit, all the hot tubs closed at, like, 12.30. Oh God, where where are you gonna go in the city? And I was like, oh, you know what? What about power exchange? <laughs> I like how two thirds of the crowd knows exactly where this fucking story's going. <laughs> And I'm like, well, you know, I've never, I've never actually been there before. I've heard. <laughs> Good night, folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I've never actually been there before. I've definitely heard that it's a sketchy, like, you know, it's like kind of sketchy. Um, you know, fair, fair or unfair, you know, deserved, deserved or not. Um, but, you know, I bet they have horizontal space. And that's really all we need. Uh, I was wrong, as it turned out. I was, I was wrong. I was not, that was not all we needed. Um, that was not all I needed. Um, but we got to the power exchange, and we were greeted by uh, the like big, surly, but exceptionally friendly, uh, bald uh, bouncer guy. Um, you know, and we had this like really great conversation about. You know, he's like, "Oh, have you been here before?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, but have you been to sex parties before?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I throw, I throw sex parties. I know what this is like." <laughs> <laughs> Um, forgive me. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I know what this is like. And uh, he's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, every space has, like, their own culture. And, um, you know, let me tell you a little, a little bit about ours. You know, we definitely really believe in consent here. And so no one should touch you without asking. That's, like, the basic rule. But remember that this is a sex club, and so people are here to like get their rocks off. And so, um, you know, like the other main rule that you should know about is that um, if you happen to be watching someone in a scene, uh, you need to stay at least uh, three feet away from them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool, okay, that sounds so, sounds good, okay, three feet away, no problem. Um, so <clears throat> we proceed to. Uh, Jamie and I proceed to, um, you know, walk around the space and take in the sights. This is like, uh, I don't know, 
two o'clock on like a Wednesday morning or something like that. And so there, <laughs> and so there, there, there aren't that many people actually in the space. I was actually kind of, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was surprised um, that there were so few people there. And I saw a bunch of like, um, like single guys just kind of like walking around and I'm like, Oh, hmm. um, you know, not, not the vibe of lots of public play spaces I go to, like thinking about like swinger parties and such. Um, but I'm like, okay, you know, cool. All right, this is, this is what they do. Uh, so finally, like Jamie and I, we just like couldn't, we just couldn't like take it anymore. You know, we'd like checked out the, the different spaces. You know, we figured out, you know, like maybe where we wanted to start. And we were upstairs in the power exchange and we started making out. And it was just like, like it was like this thing that um, we'd been, certainly I'd been um, waiting for for so long. Um, and that's when they started to appear. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been referring to them lately as the jack-off zombies. And like real zombies, they were swarming. Like, it started off as one, but it's like they smelled something in the air. <laughs> uh, and we were very, very quickly surrounded by about a dozen, maybe a few more um, men of varying shapes and sizes and ethnicities, um, just like watching us and stroking their cocks. They'd all had their pants unzipped or maybe like just around their butts and just like stroking their cocks in our, not in our general direction, in our specific direction. <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought to myself, and I thought to myself, oh man, if this goes wrong, those three feet are not gonna save us. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, maybe someone like hadn't gotten off in like a couple days or maybe, you know, they've been like doing this all night and this is going to be like their grand finale. Um, you know, three feet suddenly did not feel very far away at all. Um, and, and frankly, frankly, like I was like, I was feeling really like, like, actually kind of, like, freaked out because this is not the culture of the parties I typically attend. Uh, you know, I, I, I talk about, like, being an East Bay poly snowflake and, you know, like, we like, we like to ask to watch. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm not much of an exhibitionist. And, like, just to be clear, just to be clear, the jack-off zombies were totally cool. Right. I mean, most of them, uh, you know, one one guy, you know, he was maybe like, you know, five, ten, dark skin, uh, you know, black hair, good looking, you know, um, had gotten what I thought was just like a little bit too close, like close enough to like kind of raise the alarm even more than it was already raised. And 
And I'm like, hey, man, hey, man, can you, can you back up a little bit? And he's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry, so sorry. <laughs> he was, he was, he was so polite. He was so polite. Um, and, and so I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I realized, like, these guys were just, like, playing according to the rules of engagement that the space laid out. And that was, like, that's actually totally fine. Not for me, but totally fine, right? Um, um, and so, like, finally, and, and let me say, we were just kissing. <laughs> we were just kissing. And so, but, you know, we, we really wanted to do more. And I whispered in Jamie's ear, hey, can we, can we maybe find another space? And she's like, yeah, let's, let's get out of here. And so we went downstairs at the power exchange where there are these little uh, sort of like, they're almost like little like cubbies. They're like doorless rooms um, that you can hang a chain across, right? And so um, we, we, we moved fast but again, the zombies smelled something in the air. We made a little bit too much noise. And slowly they approached. Uh, uh. Um, and, you know, the rule is that, like, if you're in one of those rooms, you have to stay behind the chain, right? And um, one of the less polite, I should say, uh, jack-off zombies, um, like, pushed himself into the chain as far as it would go. Like, just like, st I was like, is this guy gonna break the chain? This is, like, really intense. And he did have, like, you know, a swarm behind him, as, as happens with zombies sometimes, you know? And so I was like, oh, maybe, like, maybe he might. Uh, um, and I was like, and, and I, I was like, hey, man, can you back off? He's like, whatever, man, I'm behind the chain. <laughs> I was like, oh, you are, you're not a nice guy. <laughs> Where's other Jackoff zombie? He'd step back. <laughs> um, and so, but finally, you know, like we were, we were just so motivated, you know, Jamie and I were so motivated um, that like, despite the uh, challenge of the situation. And I think that she was actually like kind of turned on by it. I think she's like a little bit more of an exhibitionist than I am. I think it like, which I, I apparently am just not. Um, but like, uh, you yeah, know, so we like turned our backs to the zombies and I started like, um, you know, like doing her from behind and, you know, facing away and, you know, closing my eyes and thinking of France and, you know, <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, we actually had this, like, really sort of, like, torrid um, uh, experience, um, and we finally finished, and she came, and I came, and it was uh, lovely, um, and, like, I just felt kind of bad. <laughs> like, I mean, I felt great about, like, the connection finally happening, but I felt, like, bad about, like, the situation, you know? Like, and, and that, like, bad feeling is, you know, the feeling that happens sometimes when, like, a boundary gets crossed. And it wasn't anyone's fault. Like, I just, I learned in that particular encounter that I had a boundary, which is, like, kind of a cool experience. It's like, oh, wow, I have limits. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Man, I guess I better learn to communicate about these. Uh, 
said the East Bay Poly Snowflake. And um, <laughs> there, next time, oh, I'm a cheap East Bay Poly Snowflake. Uh, get it, get it straight, buddy. Uh, <laughs> these jackets don't go on, grow on trees. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, luckily, um, Jamie and I went on to have many more uh, lovely encounters and uh, much more accommodating environments as uh, time went on. Uh, but I will, I will never forget my experience of uh, the Jackoff zombies and the day I discovered a little bit about myself and my boundaries and uh, thank you. Demons by Haley Kiyoko. This past weekend, I took a team with me to Seattle 
and we live streamed our first non-San Francisco body. I'm so proud because that's what I've been wanting to do, to bring my shows to you regardless of where you are and where they are. Way back when, Patreon was how we funded the startup costs for this podcast. And now we're working on buying tech equipment and trying to hire staff to run the equipment to add monthly live streaming to what we do. If you become a member of our Patreon now, you can help us buy that equipment and to grow. And you can watch these stories as well as listen to them. Our most popular Patreon reward is our free live stream ticket at the $10 a month level because it's where you can watch an entire body, uninterrupted. Not just one story, but hours of stories and songs. If you're not a Patreon supporter yet, it's really easy. Just go to patreon.com slash body and select the tier and rewards that you want. Joining now means you want this life-changing mission of self-love, empathy, and understanding to continue to flourish and grow. Stories allow us to teach each other, to educate each other, and to realize that there's a lot of people like us out there in the world. Go to patreon.com body right now to become a member. And thanks. Well, that's the end of our time together. I want to say thank you to the team that makes this podcast possible. Thank you to Mosa Maxwell-Smith, whose birthday was this week. Happy birthday, Mosa. Thank you to Donald Mooney, to David Grossoff, to Ruben Tan, Ty McKenzie, Joe Moore, and podcast producer Roman Din Houdiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this has been episode 247 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with more story. Oh,